Welcome to episode 16 of Sweet Seats. I'm your host, Dawson Wolf, joined by Derek Steele. What's going on? Ryan Cole. Hello. And Ben Shadel. What's up? So we'll kick it off with the MLB lockout update. So the MLB lockout began on December 2nd, 2021. Two months after implementing their lockout, they commented the MLBPA released a statement on Friday saying that after consulting with their executive board and considering a variety of factors, we have declined the request of the owners to get the, the, the deal that they're working on here. And the clearest path for a fair and timely agreement to get this lockout resolved, they have to get back to the table and discuss it again with the MLB. And the MLB really wants to get the season started on time, which is slated for March 31st this year. Yeah, the crazy thing about it is spring training is supposed to start in 10 days. Players usually report, pitchers and catchers usually report a couple days after Valentine's Day, which is next Monday. So, and I saw something on Twitter that was really cool. It was Adam Wainwright, a pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals, came out and he said, look, like if we got the deal that's the current deal right now, we would most likely accept it because the players just want to get out there and they want to be able to play and they want to be out there, like you said, on March 31st to be able to get the season going. Yeah, that's right. And especially the MLB, you know, being one of the first sports during COVID to allow fans back in the stands and to be able to, you know, experience America's pastime and, you know, to be in a lockout, you know, it's really against the Players Association and the owners and the ownership groups of all the MLB organizations. And it sounds like they haven't really gone anywhere since the start of the lockout on December 2nd. So we'll see how that one chalks up here as they get close to the original start date for the 2022 regular season. So jumping into some Red Wings hockey here, the Red Wings coming out of the All-Star break. Uh, Dylan Larkin represented the team in Vegas this past weekend, competing in the fastest skater competition. He placed second to last in that competition. Uh, And the Wings sitting right now in fifth place in the Atlantic Division behind Boston, Toronto, Tampa Bay, and Florida. Atlantic Division is tough to be right now. Yeah, you know, uh, the Red Wings have been, they started off with a great start this year. Uh, you know, Lucas Raymond and Mo Sider, they were probably some of the best rookies in all of the NHL. Uh, but, you know, they've started to slow down a little bit. I think after this All-Star break, you know, get a little break, get rested up. I think they should be moving forward pretty well. Yeah, so right now they're nine points behind Boston, so I think they have to get those rookies going again, and Dylan Larkin has to play just a little bit better just to have a chance at the playoffs. You look at the team, and you look at what Iserman did in Tampa Bay and then what he's doing in Detroit. We really start seeing a lot more of the same groundwork pit in. You got a veteran leader in Larkin who made the All-Star team this year, and then you start seeing the younger pieces, your Lucas Raymond, your Mo Sider coming in, and even Nedeljkovic, the goalie for the Red Wings. He's still really young, and I really think he could be the goalie of the future for the Red Wings. So you're really starting to see these young key pieces coming into play f- place for the Red Wings. And even if they don't make the playoffs this year, it's really laying that groundwork for next year and for years to come here in Detroit. It's a great sign of improvement. It really is. And you start seeing these pieces come in, even Nadelkovic, who we got out of free agency. No, yeah, no, we, we got him out of Carolina. Yeah, Ca- out of Carolina. So it's just really starting to see these pieces lay in Detroit and starting to see these home run shots from Iserman 
just starting to get the pieces that will help Detroit in the future, even if they're not quite ready to make a playoff run quite yet. Yeah, uh, you were just talking about, you know, Eiserman's home run shots, you know, the, p- the players that he drafts out of all these entry drafts that are really starting to come through. And I'll even, f- like, back backdate this to even when he was the GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning. You know, Braden Point, you know, he he was a projected second, third-round guy. Eiserman took him late in the first round, and, you know, everybody's like, why would you take a player like Braden Point? Well, Eiserman saw something special in Braden Point. And look at what he's doing now for the Tampa Bay Lightning, surrounded by Kucherov and Steven Stamkos, you know, that team that's winning is back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. Eiserman built that team. Yeah, As, go, go ahead. Go ahead. All right. Uh, you know, I'm starting to buy into the trust. Uh, at first, I didn't really, you know, I didn't, I didn't like the move, but you know, now I'm starting to buy into the trust with, uh, with everything that's happening with the Red Wings now, and I, I really like it. And some keys to the Red Wings, I think, are their two goalies. They have Nadelkovic and Kelvin Pickard, and they've both been playing recently pretty good. And I think. If they both play like that, that they, that will help their chances. Something else I was going to say, just kind of going back to the point you made about Azerman Dawson. Azerman reminds me a little bit of a Bill Belichick of hockey. Let, let me explain this a little bit, okay? Bill Belichick, what's he known for in New England? He's known for taking those unknown players, making them superstars. Look at your Tom Brady's. Look at your... Um, Julian Edelman. J- Julian Edelman. Uh, Rob Gronkowski. Look at all these players that he got in late rounds in the draft. He made them superstars. Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback to ever throw a football. Julian Edelman had a great career in the NFL. Rob Gronkowski's having a great year, having a great career, sorry. And so just Eiserman's starting to show a lot of the same characteristics that a Belichick would when it comes to drafting. Yeah, and, you know, it takes time to build a hockey team from the ground up. You know, after going through, you know, you're in that rebuild phase. You got to get the young stars. You know, you got to filter through. You know, many of the players in the minors, you know, they got to make their presence known when they get up to the NHL level. And Morris Sider, he's really done that. And, you know, being drafted in 2019, the Wings' first-round pick, sixth overall, many people gave the Wings really, you know, really shade when they picked a German defenseman sixth overall because they haven't, <laughs> in overall NHL history, there hasn't been a German player picked in the first round since... 1986 and you know they were taking a really a lot of shade for that and you know Eiserman's just like you know I made my decision and he's really stood by it in his first year in the league this season he has a total of four goals 25 assists 29 points on the season that's up to the all-star break that's outstanding for a rookie defenseman and looking at these next few games against Philadelphia you play you have a home again, home against Philadelphia tomorrow in Philadelphia, and then Saturday against at home against Philadelphia. I really feel like if you can either win two of those games or win both of those games or even win one of those games, Philadelphia is having a down year this year. They're six in the Metropolitan. So if you can take one or two of those games, that's a big confidence boost coming out of the All-Star break going into the second half of the season. Oh, yeah. Great chance to get points. Mm-hmm. And... Looking at the wild card race right now, Washington and Boston have the wild card locked up right now, but the Wings are trailing Boston here. You know, they got almost eh, about they're 10 points, 11 points behind Boston. But, you know, Philadelphia is not too far out behind. You know, Metropolitan is pretty hard division. And, you know, if you can even get a win 
or even go 2-0 and against the Philly Flyers would be great for the Wings. And yeah. going back to Iserman's drafting, Lucas Raymond has had an outstanding year. He's, what, second in the Calder Trophy right now? That's correct, behind Trevor Zegers of the Anaheim Ducks. Yeah. You know, one thing for me about the Red Wings is it's just more fun to watch. Like, me personally, I'll, I'll sit down. I used to want to just turn on the NFL or, you know, just something same, else. Same, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, not, like, I see a Red Wings game on the TV, and I want to turn that on because it's actually fun to watch now because, you know, we're building those pieces and everything. I feel like it's the same way with all Detroit sports, minus the Lions. Yeah, minus the Lions. Minus the Lions. You can't, you can't watch the Lions. No, but, no, in all seriousness, though, like, talking to people in Detroit, I heard about Stafford saying that Detroit sports fans, and especially the Lions fans, are the most dedicated sports fans yeah. in the world or in the United States. And you look at all these fans going to Ford Field, the fans going to LCA to support the Pistons and Red Wings. They're not sold out crowds, but you're still getting people in there to go support your teams. Same thing with the Tigers if they get out of the lockout. I guarantee you if opening day happens March 31st or even if it happens in mid-April, that stadium's going to be packed. That stadium's going to be loud because they're excited to see Tigers baseball come back. And all the Detroit teams, I think, are starting to get on that upswing oh, yeah. where you're starting to see the Red Wings. The Red Wings are a big move from making the playoffs. Tigers are a big move away from making the playoffs. Pistons, not not so much. Not so much. Wow, Anthony's staring at me right now. But, no, the Pistons are the Pistons are a couple key players. No, in all seriousness, the Pistons are a couple key players away from being a good team in a way as well and being a, a beast in the East. Same thing with the Lions, though. I really think Campbell's the coach to turn it around. And if you really see something in Anthony Glenn, and they kept him as the defensive Aaron Glenn, and they kept him as the defensive coordinator, there's a reason they kept him and not let him go somewhere else. So they're just starting to build that culture in Detroit, and it's fun to see. Yeah, I, I love Dan Campbell. Just speaking quickly on the Lions, I love Dan Campbell. You know, you have yeah the Matt Patricia and Jim Caldwell just sit there on the sidelines, don't don't really yell. I love Dan Campbell. Just watching them get into the game and just getting mad at his player, it's awesome. It's awesome to watch. Dan Campbell's a lot more of a player's guy, and he's a lot more. He's not afraid to show you how he feels. You saw him after they started. I think it was 0-5. He started. He broke down into tears in a press conference. You see him. Um, the Lions will always post the victory speeches on their social media whenever the Lions get three wins in a season. And so you just see him with his players, and you see the leadership, and you see how the players have bought in for him. And they worked their behinds off for him this year. And it showed they had two really impressive wins in Green Bay and Arizona. Yeah, and, you know, Derek, you were just touching on it. You know, the heart and soul that all these coaches surrounded in Detroit, you know, let's relay this back to the Winks, you know, uh, a lot, really, all that is great topics, you know, and rebuilding is going to take time. And many Detroit fans are like, you know, we've been waiting, you know, four or five years. Well, this stuff just doesn't happen overnight. You're going to have to wait. And teams just, you don't just go out and trade everybody away and get all the veteran all-stars and, you know, one trade deadline. That's what I think really where uh, Dabrowski went wrong with the Tigers is he went out and he sacrificed the future of the Tigers to win now. He went out and got Prince Fielder. He went out and got David Price. He went out and got all these really big-name players. He signed Miguel Cabrera to that massive contract. And you really start seeing it. And we've talked a lot about Detroit swing sports being on the upswing. Just imagine a Red Wings hockey game, playoff game in LCA, Tigers playoff game back at Comerica Park. 
you know that's going to be a sellout it's crowd. Be packed. Detroit sports fans are ready for playoffs here in Detroit. If it's the Pistons, if it's the Red Wings, if it's the Tigers. Like, I remember growing up going to Tigers playoff games, and it was packed. You you couldn't, like, you were shoulder to shoulder with the guy, but you love it because it just shows how passionate Detroit sports fans are. Yeah, and I'll just put this out there. Ever since Little Caesars Arena has opened, the Wings have not made it to the playoffs. Pistons made it that one year where they got swept against the Bucks. Mm. Yeah, that's not Red Wings, though. They haven't that made it not. yet. But, you know, it's looking promising, you know, maybe not this year, but maybe the next year. But, you know, after the All-Star break, you can see the teams, that you know, are going to be making that playoff push, and the Wings are right up there for that wild card spot. But it's going to be an Atlantic Division battle between them and Boston, original six battle. Yeah, and I think the key to getting the playoff spots is coaching because coaching comes in really important here on how you want to play your guys, how you tell them to play, and – yeah. Yeah, and you were just touching on uh, Calvin Pickard, you know, being the backup goalie, you know, coming up from Grand Rapids to replace the injured Thomas Grice. And, you know, he did, after Alex was struggling against the Blackhawks, Pickard did come in and relieve him after giving up four unanswered goals. And he did a great job. But the problem with Calvin Pickard is he's floated around the league, you know. He played six or seven seasons for the Colorado Avalanche. They kicked him to the curb. And then, you know, he floated around the league and then ended up in Detroit, ended up playing one or two seasons for Grand Rapids Griffins, and now he's up basically as a taxi goalie now because you have to have one on your roster for COVID protocols and whatever. So he's the taxi goalie, and he's playing in the backup spot for Alex Alex right now, and he's, you know, pulling his weight. And talking about that, he is not as bad as people might think. He does have a 915 save percentage. Yeah. Kind of going back to what we were talking about, it being a battle to the end between Boston and Detroit. That game in Detroit on April 5th, Bruins against Red Wings, final battle between the two teams this year. That's going to be a fun battle. I think that's one that really can decide who's going to make it into the playoffs. If the Red Wings can go on a big uh, winning streak here out of the All-Star break, starting with two big ones against Philadelphia, if they can go on a big winning streak and they're still in the playoff hunt, I think that game against Boston on April 5th will decide who makes it to the playoff and who gets a wild card spot and who's going home because really it's winning those division games, especially those original six games that are huge in the NHL. Yeah, and, you know, looking at the month of February, man, the Wings have a tough month of February. They got a home-and-home series kicking off tomorrow against Philly, and then they go on the road. Minnesota. Minnesota, they're number one in the Central Division right now. They're playing really good. Capri Kiprasov is rookie leading that one, uh, leading that team. And then they go into New York to battle the New York Rangers at Madison Square Garden. And then they come back home to face a really tough avalanche team, which Cal McCarr is taking that team up to a whole new level. And then at home against their original six rival, the Toronto Maple Leafs. So looking at this month, I mean, realistically, I mean, (laughs) I hate to say this, but I could easily – I don't think they're going to – go over 500 this month i really don't think so uh, i think the key is their players that are not as well known as like philip hronick robbie fabry sam gagne philip zadina i think they have to play much better than they are right now for them to have a good record going through this month another player we can talk about stepping up is dylan larkin he really struggled in the month of january he really needs to step it up out of the all-star break and he needs to be able to be that captain and be that leader that we know he can be and just be that 
guy that everyone can lean on and trust on, on and off the ice, because you really need that guy, that captain. There's a reason they call it a captain. He's the one to lead them in the locker room. He's the one, when it's going down, he's the one to pick them up, and he's the one to get them going on the right step, and that's what he needs to do to be able to have a successful month of february yeah so don't coming back to dylan you know dylan larkin you know he's having a great season up to this point you know he's had 23 goals 21 assists 44 points he hasn't had that number of points in a halfway point of the season since his rookie season in 2015 when you know he played the last year at the joe but he's having a great season so far and to be at 44 points at the halfway point Dylan's pulling his weight this year, and, you know, being a hometown guy from Waterford, Michigan, being the captain of the Detroit Red Wings hometown team, you know, and he's followed up by his partner in crime, Tyler Bertuzzi. He's doing a great job this season, and, you know, and have two rookie standouts, Morris Sider and Lucas Raymond. You know, you just can't, you know, you have to, you can't just rely on four guys on the team. You know, there's no I in team, right? And, you know, you got to play as one unit. And you can't have, you know, one guy doing all the scoring, one guy doing all the playmaking. And, you know, if I see the Wings making a playoff run, you know, play, even making a playoff push, really, they have to – all those – the fourth and third line, they really got to start producing. Well, well, regardless of what happens, even if they make the playoffs or if they don't, I've been really impressed with what they've been, with, with, with what they've been able to do this season. Like, I didn't, I didn't expect them to be anywhere near the playoffs whatsoever when the uh, season started. And Tyler Bertuzzi, he's having a heck of a season. Though. He's got 40 points, 22 goals, 18 assists. I, I think uh, all these players have to step up for them to have a chance. Yeah, so switching gears, college basketball. Men's AP poll came out yesterday. Auburn still holding that number one spot. Man, they got, they got in some real trouble on Saturday as they faced Georgia. Georgia was leading that game until the last 40 seconds of the game, and Auburn pulled it out. Man, what about the Kentucky Wildcats losing last night, though? In all honesty, I think Kentucky is a team that's really amped to make a push in March Madness. They're going to be a really good team. Um, I think Purdue's going to be a team that's hanging around there. Auburn's going to be a team. You can't count out Duke. You really never can count out Duke. Um, one of my sleeper teams, I really think, now this might be biased, but I really think Michigan State can make a push. They've had... Two really, they've had two really tough losses to um, Northwestern and the Rutgers this year, and then they lost to Illinois on a missed free point or f- free, throw. free throw. Thank you, free throw. But they had the big one against Wisconsin. They had the big one against Michigan. They, they re- play Wisconsin tonight. Again. They play Wisconsin tonight. They reface Michigan at the Chrysler Center in March, and so I really think Tom Izzo knows what he's doing once it comes to March, and they really. He really knows how to take his teams far in March Madness when everyone counts them out. And I really think this, everyone's starting to count out Michigan State. They've had two really tough losses in the last week or two. And I really think those Michigan State Spartans are going to be one to watch out for come March and April. Yeah, Yeah, well, one thing is Gabe Brown has to step up. Uh, He's been doing pretty good this season, but, I mean, the past couple games has just been rough. I mean, uh, you've had other players step up like Joey Hauser and other people but i mean gabe brown's the leader of this team he's probably the best player on this team in my opinion he needs to be the leader of this team and start and, and start playing better honestly you know looking at conferences overall you know big Ten's really strong conference right now so is the big 12 but the big east you know nobody really 
focuses on the Big East Conference, but Providence, Villanova, Marquette, UConn, and Xavier are all ranked. That's five ranked teams in Marquette's the Big East. Marquette's probably the, one of the hottest teams in the college basketball right now. They're whew, they're doing really well. Now, going back to Villanova, they've ha- they're having a really good season. Kansas is having a really good season. I think this is going to be a March that we can really look back on and be like, man, this is the year of upsets. This is the year that we're going to see high-ranking teams flying out everywhere. This is going to be a really good March to Madness to watch for. Yeah, and you got these St. Mary's ranked. You got Murray State, Marquette. It's just I think it's better than when all these Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, they're always up there. I, I like how these more unknown teams are trickling in at the bottom. Yeah. March Madness is always fun to watch. I mean, you have the thing that I love about March Madness is you always are going to have that one Cinderella team. I mean, or, was, or Roberts last yeah, year. Yeah. It was Loyola, um, Loyola Chicago, Chicago exactly, made it yeah. to the Final Four that yeah. one year. Or elite always going to have that one team, and that's what is amazing about it. Anyone can win. It's not just the number one seed, it's not just the number two seed. I mean, anyone can win. Yeah, and, you know, looking at the standings right now, Kansas, Texas Tech, Baylor, all at 8, 9, 10. Those are all Big 12 teams, and, you know, Big 12 is a really good conference right now. All the teams are pretty even. But, you know, Duke getting knocked off last night against Virginia, the last-minute three-point shot. Uh, you know, it's you know they only update the AP polls once a week. And, you know, you'll see what it shakes up to be. But looking at conference-wise, I mean, Big 10, Big 12 is where you got to be. But... I mean, everything's good all around. You know, a lot of these teams, especially Auburn back at top, man, that's that's interesting. They haven't been up there in quite some time. Mm-hmm. We okay. talk about hot takes. Okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to make a hot take right here, and then we'll wrap up this episode. Oh, yeah. I don't think it's going to be a Big Ten or a Big 12 team in the championship. I'm making a hot take right now. I'm saying it's going to be a Big Sky team. It's going to be Villanova against um, – or sorry, that's the Big East against um i'm going auburn i think auburn has what it takes to make a run they made it to the um elite eight a couple years ago i really still i still think they should have won that game they would have handled texas tech that year so i'm going villanova auburn write it down i'm probably wrong but um we'll have to see how that holds out and one team i think is overrated is gonzaga i think they're in this mickey this mickey mouse uh uh Whatever. I mean, Gonzaga's a um, what? They're a mid-major team, right? I just they, yeah, yeah. They just every year they're always a one seed or two seed. They're one of the best teams in the in the nation, apparently. Whoa! And then they go into the tournament and they lose in the first couple rounds. Except last year when they lost to Baylor in the national championship. Yeah, national championship. That that's the only year. You know what I mean? True. It's the only year. True. And And big Baylor's in the Big Twelve. Just to let you know. I know Baylor's in the Big Twelve. All right. Cool. Your hot take was pretty good then. I know. But all well, right. I'll have to see how wrong I am come March. Oh, yeah, that'd be an interesting episode. But tune in Friday as Alden Ritt hosts episode 17 to gear you up for the big game Sunday against the Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams Super Bowl 56. That's all we got for Sweet Seats episode 16. I'm your host, Dawson Wolf. Have a great day, everybody.